We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, join our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is David Splitgerber. David is a franchise business owner who assists people in business ownership exploration through a discovery and education-based method to help people to discover opportunities that are ideally suited for what they are seeking. David is on the advisory board for Pong, an advisory for 40 plus and guest lectures at Marquette University on franchising. He is married and has coached their two boys in their sports for the last 15 years and is now retired from that endeavor. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lori. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm first going to ask you what, what the sports were that you were uh, coaching. So it was pretty much every season. So just circle the clock around and uh, in spring it was baseball and kind of summerish was baseball and then fall it was assisting coaching with football so it kind of just went from season to season winter was basketball assistant coaching or coaching and then back to spring slash summer and baseball so pretty much year-round between both both of our sons uh it pretty much didn't stop for about 15 years but it was a, a lot of fun it was oh. fun watching them all grow up so from from the early ages of watching baseball and seeing all the kids when they're, you know, really young and someone in the stands has a younger sibling and they're blowing bubbles and everyone kind of stops watching and playing the game and watching bubbles blow all over. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so fun though. I'm sure you have great memories. Your kids probably have great memories too uh, involved with that. Uh, Absolutely. A lot of fun. So, but you're no longer the coach of sports, but you are a career ownership coach. What exactly is that? Yeah, first of all, uh, something that most people don't don't know exists. In fact, most of the people I talk to, are like you know, I never knew anything like that existed. So, <laughs> so what it is and what I do is is help people to explore quite simply business ownership. And I, I specialize in the franchise and owner's alliance end of things, but, you know, and, and I'm not a business broker and I, and again, nothing wrong with business brokers at all. In fact, I know some business brokers and I work with business brokers from time to time. It's just a different approach and kind of a different look at things. So what, what I'm all about and what I do is help people. And, and I've said the word is, is to explore. And what that means is first helping an individual get to know themselves. So it's a lot of conversations and meetings and assessments that I have individuals complete that we talk about to learn about the individuals. In other words, who am I and what has my career been? So it has some elements that kind of look like an, uh, an interview to some degree. In other words, you know, tell me about, you know, what are your strengths? What are the things you like doing? But we go into things and I tell people, I said, but this is not an interview. So that's the nice thing about it is you get to be honest and open and blunt with me. So when I ask something to the effect of, 
you know, tell me about things that you haven't liked about your last job. You don't have to come up with a, a plain, you know, careful answer. It's, well, you know, I didn't like that my boss was this or that the company had this or did that. It's, it's all open and free so we can better understand together the individual. So the ultimate goal is to both have us on the same page. Who am I? What am I about? What's my career been about? What are my likes and dislikes? And then helping them to also see the future before we've even talked about or even looked at or discussed anything about different types of opportunities. So helping them try to figure out what do I want my life to look like a year from now, personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And that can be a really easy question for people to answer. And I've had other people when we talk about it, and it's a question I tell people, I'm going to send you this question. I don't even tell them the question before I send it to them, but it's one of the questions I have them answer. I say, because if I ask you, you may then say, well, well, what have other people said? Or what do you mean by that? And that allows for me interpreting or steering someone in a direction versus them forced to answer the question and say, well, what do I want my life to look like personally? Well, that can be any number of things. And what do I want it to look like professionally? Well, have I thought about it? Some people have. Some people haven't from both ends. So we discuss that. And then we even look a little bit further. I don't look 10 years out. I like to look five years out and ask them, okay, so based on some of those answers and things we've talked about, you know, what would you like to have more of in your life in five years? What would you like to have less of in your life in five years? And again, that's a question that people, well, you know, what other people say, or I don't know. And it forces them to think about their life and their career. So that's before we even talk about any or discuss any potential opportunities. So from there, then, yeah, after all these different assessments and questionnaires and discussions that we have, then it's me doing some research to find opportunities for them to learn about. And I stress learn about, I tell them there's no contracts. I'm not selling to you. I'm not a consultant. I'm not here to tell you what to do ever. You're never going to hear me sell to you. I'm never going to close you and say, Oh, well, based on everything you've talked about, this would be the best opportunity for you, you know, or, and I said, it's nothing like, you know, and I know that I know people in car sales. So I say it cause I give them grief about it, but I said, you know, it's none of the, the, well, you know, there's someone on the way, you know, with a check in hand. So if you don't decide now it's gone or, you know, the sale is only today, not tomorrow. There's none of that. It's all about just helping someone learn and explore in a safe space where they can learn and have someone, i.e. myself, then I, I continue working with them through that learning process. So as they're learning about different businesses, and I've had people say, I don't even know what I don't know. I don't even know what questions to ask. Great. We're going to help you learn together. And then I'm going to help you take that information and be able to put it into a format for yourself that I help you meet, remain objective and help you to process through to see what that looks like. So I go through all that and I tell them, so here's the quick and simple of it, of of what I look at, how I do. I'm like the old fashioned librarian. Remember when you used to go into a library and if you walked in and you said, hey, Mr. or Miss Librarian, what's a great book? Well, they look at you kind of funny, right? Because there's a lot of really good books out there and there's a lot of good opportunities out there. So how do I figure out out of all those thousands and thousands of books, what makes sense and what What's going to keep me interested and what's going to drive me to keep turning page after page? So a good librarian would then ask a lot of questions of that individual and talk back and forth. So what kind of books have you read before? What kind of authors? And get to know that individual better. And you have that good discussion back and forth till finally that librarian can say, you know, here's some, 
here's some options. Let's go get you to the shelf over here. Let's have you pull some of these books off here. And then let's have you read a few chapters. So, and then the best follow-up from that is, of course, not just go read some chapters, but then come back to me. Tell me what you think, what you, what you think about each of these after you've read a few chapters. And then let's talk about it. So you may come back and say, well, you know, book A, really like it. I want to keep reading it. Book B, you know, it's starting out kind of slow. I'm kind of bored or it's not real interesting or I'm not sure. And a good librarian, hopefully knowing a little bit more about that book, would be able to say, I encourage you to just read a few more chapters and then tell me what you think. If you still find that it doesn't, you know, align with what you're trying to accomplish, then great, that's fine. Then we'll put it back on the shelf. And then you might say, well, you know, in book C, I really don't like it all because of this, 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 and this. Great. Not a problem. Let's put that book back on the shelf. So it ends up, you may end up reading one of those books cover to cover. You may end up saying, you know what, none of the three align with what I'm, you know, liking. And you may change direction as you start reading, saying, well, you know, I thought I wanted to read humor, but now after our discussions and after what I've been reading, maybe I want to do, I want to read something in history instead. So the librarian takes you to another area and because of the discussions, they know you a little better and they find different opportunities for you to read there. So that's what I do, but in the business sense to help people learn and explore. So it's never pressure. It's just, let's learn, let's explore, let's educate and get information. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, good, good analogy to help illustrate what it is that you're doing. So it sounds like you do spend a, t- a lot of time um in the franchise business a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about what types of franchises or what types of businesses are franchise businesses? Sure, absolutely. And I think that's a great question because I think there's the, a lot of people have that kind of assumption or belief that it's, that it's food and that it's, well, you know, I don't want to be in the restaurant industry while the franchises, that's restaurants, that's food. And I don't want to be in that, in that area. Some people do. But honestly, there's probably 50 or 60 to 80 different business industries. I mean, it's everything that that you probably have walked past, but never even noticed or considered or thought about that were businesses that are franchised. So, I mean, there's things that are in uh, everything from like travel, sports and recreation, home improvement, uh, senior care services, uh, children's products, children's services, uh, automotive Employment and staffing, recruiting, there's franchises in that arena. Distributorships, uh, web or internet or IT-based businesses, um, pet-related businesses for pet pet services. There's mobile businesses. So those just a few off the top of my head are some of the industries that are in franchising that people are like, wow, really? I didn't know that. So yeah, spans a wide variety. Sure sounds like it. So I'm going to go back a little bit to um, what we were talking about a little bit earlier. But so let's say I'm someone that's already in a job and, and I like what I'm doing. I want to keep it. But is there anything that you can do to help on that side hustle type of things? Absolutely. That's a, a great point. And that's probably about 30% or so of the individuals that I that I talk with are that exact individual saying, you know, I've got a job. I really like it. But I want additional income or something on the side, or maybe eventually I'd like to go and do something, but is there a way for me to start something and then grow into it? So it depends on what the individual is trying trying to accomplish, but yes. So bottom line, it's called semi-absentee. So, and there's some that are closer to absentee and there's some that are kind of absentee. And what I mean by that is less than five hours per week where it's more of an investment 
there's less opportunities in that arena. And those are typically, I'm going to, I'm going to say quite honestly, uh, quite a bit higher investment because obviously you're hiring a lot of people to do all the tasks of the business. But yes, there are some absentee. You can work anywhere from five to 10 to 15. At most, there's a few out there that would be maybe 20 hours a week. So someone can absolutely keep their job in these franchises are set up that way specifically. So it's not like they're doing a one-off and saying, oh, well, we can make an exception. So there's some that are pretty much strictly where they say, this is not a full-time. This is set up specifically to be a semi-absentee business. You hire a manager, you're managing a manager. And then, you know, they're having oversight of whatever employees there might be in the business. So, and that's actually a good additional point that there are some franchises where you need employees and there's some where it could be just the individual where you don't need any employees. So there's a wide range. You could be virtual. You could have a brick and mortar and need a location. There's ones where you can be in a warehouse or in a mobile, uh, be at home and have a home office, take it on the road with you with a phone and a laptop. So there's a lot of different opportunities in that area too, of what type of work environment you're looking for. Sure. So, uh, yeah. Really interesting. Um, I haven't really explored the franchise business uh, model too much. Um, so that was really interesting to learn about the diversity and the types of businesses that are out there and the time investment uh, employees, you know, there's, there's lots, lots involved in that. So thanks for sharing all of that. Absolutely. And I think to your point, what a lot of people think about also with the franchises, they think, you know, the big ones that are out there like a McDonald's, right. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, I don't have a million or 2 million or $4 million to invest in a franchise. So there are franchises and owners alliances and businesses that you can get into at a much more reasonable level. So and we're talking around, you know, 30, 40,000 as a total investment. So is that, again, is that cheap? No, it's not, you know, pennies on the dollar, but what it offers is that's why a franchise in general terms have a pretty good success rate. And that's because they have a replicatable process and systems and structures to them that if you follow those processes and systems and structures, your likelihood of success is much higher. So there's an investment that goes along with that, that you're paying for the processes and systems that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Cool. So David, the purpose of this show is to really talk about networking and relationships. Sure. Uh, some people, they hear that word networking and it invokes fear and hesitation and uncertainty. Uh, let's remove some of that fear. So can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Absolutely. So first I'll say I'm right there with everyone else. When I first started networking previously in my career, I did not really have to network just because of the businesses that I were that I was in, it was not necessitated or needed to help grow business. So it was new for me and it was kind of scary, right? You know, I'm more introverted and for me to have to go to a networking event was kind of sweaty palms and, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, why am I doing this? Should I do this? What is, what's this going to be like? I, you know, why am I going to be asked? So to dispel some of those myths, it's not like you think it is. It's not a scary event. People are there. They're, they're welcoming. They want you to talk. They want to get to know about you and you want to get to know about them. So uh, one of my favorite networking stories is this was about two years ago. 
And I met an individual at a networking event and we continued a conversation after we said, Hey, you know, let's, let's talk, let's chat, let's meet again later. Uh, we actually are still connected today, uh, pretty closely, but through his connection, it didn't help my business directly, which networking doesn't always and shouldn't always be about that. If you're looking at networking just to grow yourself and your own business, you're probably not going to do that great at networking because if it's just about me, 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 people see through that. So anyway, this individual, we sat down and I actually helped him. I gave him two different referrals that he followed up with me, you know, within a few months later saying, you know what, I picked up both of those as clients and that just about almost doubled my business. So it was great for me to help someone like that and know that the more you help others, the more good comes around to everyone else. So it's just one of those favorite stories because I've actually even ended up referring him another individual since then, another company that he's now working with also. So it's just one of those things where you don't know where it's going to go. And, you know, it's, it's just memorable because I didn't know the person before that. Mm-hmm. And yet we both took the time to meet each other and then say, you know what, this was kind of a good conversation let's get a cup of coffee on, on another time because we were at one of these big networking events in downtown Milwaukee uh, where, you know, it's all strangers. So it wasn't one of the networking groups that you become a member of in the sense of you see the same people every week or every month, sure. whatever it might yep. be. Yep. So, and those are the, those were the hardest ones for me to, to go to were the ones where it's, where it's all quote unquote strangers. Yep. Uh, the, the local networking groups are so much more fun because you get to really help people and see that outcome on a regular basis of how you've helped others grow their business. So, yeah, fun stuff. I think that's great. And what I love about that is that there, your benefit was simply that, that goodwill that you've helped someone grow their business. Yeah, you know what? And that's, to me, like I said, initially, I, did, I thought about it going in. I'm, honestly, right, I, I went into it thinking how am I going to grow my business tonight, you know, or today, you know, mm-hmm. at this networking meeting, what am I going to do? How many business cards am I going to pass out? How many people can I talk to? And the, the first one I'd done, I did that for the first few of them, honestly. And it was, I didn't really get any value out of it as well. I, I collected a bunch of business cards. Great. But I didn't have any really good conversations. It was, you know, five minute conversations. Oh, here's what I do. Oh, here's what you do. Great. And here's your business card. Here's my business card. You went back and forth and you go home. You're like, so what was the point of this conversation? Other than to get to know someone and potentially, you know, right off the bat, sometimes you do meet someone, but it's taking the time to say, my goal tonight is to try and connect with someone at a little bit deeper level, you know, one or two or three or five people, you know, over the course of an hour or two, and then to have a follow-up where you can get to know that person better. And that's where the connections are made. And that's where you start providing value. And that's where in my career, regardless of whether it's been what I'm doing now or in my past, where I've been, you know, a trainer, I've been a mentor, uh, I've coached people in their positions or had my bosses say, hey, can you, we're bringing on a new employee, can you help train them? Great, glad to do it. I've always enjoyed that. So to me, that's, that's reward enough that if I can help someone else and they can come back to me, and you can hear it in their voice or see it in, on their face that, look at this, I got this business or I accomplished this. That's outstanding. That's good stuff. That's awesome. I love it. Um, I agree. I agree 100%. I think it, that's so good to just see see other people's success and know that you've um, 
you were an advocate and you supported them and got them to that point. So here's another question for you. How do you stay in front of or best nurture your network and your community? Because I know you're, you're fairly well connected. Yeah, it's, it takes time. And you have to be able to be open to say yes once in a while. You know, I think like uh, kind of almost a flip on, on, you know, I'm not going to go against Warren Buffett because obviously he's brilliant and <laughs> a billionaire and I'm not. But, uh, you know, he says time is, is your biggest asset and you should protect it and say no before you say yes. But I've also find it's important to say yes when you can and as much as you can. So my goal is if someone calls me or emails me and says, hey, do you have five minutes or 10 minutes? Yes, I'm going to try and find time. Let's find time to chat. And on the other end of it, it's, it's yes, attending some of these network meetings where I'm part of a group, you know, that attendance is, you know, once a month or once every two weeks, whatever it might be, is making sure I attend and not miss meetings. They're blocked off on my calendar and I don't schedule client appointments during those. So it's not something where I say, well, you know, it's a network meeting. I should go, but I'm going to, I'm going to see a client or schedule a client. I'll, I'll work and do my best to schedule that client outside of that time and still be able to do the networking because it's important to continue growing those relationships to help others who eventually help you, right? You give and you get. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know that the time thing is a, is a challenge. It's interesting. I I like I believe what Warren Buffett says about protecting your time, but I'm also a believer in saying yes more so to new experiences, um, so that mm -hmm. you can learn and grow. Um, and that's typically where you do meet really fascinating individuals that you would never have met before. So. Um, I, I feel like there's a balance somewhere there. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. And, and funny enough to your point there, I went through that about a year and a half ago where I was in a lot of networking groups and my business started to suffer. I'm like, well, how could it be? I'm networking. I'm like, well, I'm in, I think too many networking groups. And there's only so much you can do. And that's where, again, to your point, like I'm saying, like you were saying with Warren Buffett, I had to start saying some no's and figure out and do that assessment. So end of year, I found that to be a, a good time for me. End of December, beginning of January, somewhere in that time frame to, to take a look and list out, all right, what networking groups am I a part of? Which ones do I want to stay part of? Which ones are really valuable to me and to the people around me that I'm in that with? And which ones are maybe less effective or I haven't seen value for myself or even for that matter for others. If I'm in a networking group and I don't see referrals going back and forth from time to time, that it's just, you know, hey, let's come and meet and have a, a friendly discussion. Well, that's nice. I like that. But we're also there to help each other grow business. And if no one's growing business ever, then well, let's find another time outside of work hours mm -hmm. to to do that. So because I like to try and schedule my, the, my networking meetings, if possible, some of them during work hours. I do some after hours, but I like to also have time for me, myself, my family. And if I do evenings, then I'm taking away from my family also. So I, I've spread out that of the less of the evening and night networking meetings and trying to do something early morning or something at lunch where I would be eating lunch or meeting with someone anyway where it's more convenient and conducive to my schedule. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's definitely a balance that needs to be had there, um, which is a, a constant, right? <laughs> that everyone is, I would say, has a, a little bit of a struggle with. Um, well, well, let's talk about advice that you can offer to the business professionals that are looking to grow their network. Any key tips or pointers that you want to share? I'd say be willing to talk. And I know that sounds like really simplistic, but I got into diff some different networking groups that I never knew about that I didn't find online. I think the first few I found, I found online. And it was going through, you know, the, the common websites of, you know, oh, what, you know, business networking groups. Oh, this one looks interesting. This one looks interesting. But it was the ones when I had conversations with people and actually asked the question, you know, hey, are you part of any other, you know, really good networking groups that you would think would be of value? And I didn't ask that my first probably, I never, I, for whatever reason, it never crossed my mind. I'm not going to say I'm the smartest individual in the room, right? So uh, I just kind of figured out that it was, you know, let me start asking. And it was, again, there's referrals, right? Just in a different way. Are there any other good groups? And from there, I was able to find some other good groups that I'm still part of today that are valuable, made some good friendships, made some good business connections on top of that, of course. Uh, so... I'd say that's one of the most important things is be open to trying and talking and asking about different networking groups and don't be afraid to walk away from one if you're not seeing the value of it, but be open to, to trying new ones and finding the ones that fit for you, your personality, your style, your business, uh, and for the others around you that, that it's a good fit and a good match for you. So I think those are the kind of the main ones that I would say that I kind of look at just from a, a networking perspective. Yeah, I like that. I think those are really strong. And I love that question. And um, like you, I didn't ask it initially, but it was it's probably one of my top questions I ask when I meet someone new at an event is, what other groups or organizations are you a part of or are you attending? That's Absolutely. Really find some, you, you find things that you didn't know existed because not everything's online, even though, you know, I'm going to say it should be, but <laughs> not everything is online. Um, exactly. All right, here's a fun one. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? That's easy. Take more chances. Simple as that. And it's, it sounds, it, it should be easier, but I grew up in a house that it was keep your head down, want, you know, see one foot in front of the other, work hard, and someone's going to reward you eventually. And that used to be the way, but it's really not the reality anymore from what I see. Mm -hmm. If you don't toot your own horn, and my, my mom was big about that. She's like, you, you, you don't need to speak out, out about it. I grew up in, you know, she grew up in her career saying, you know, I grew in my career by, by working hard and my bosses would see it and they would, you know, give me a promotion or give me a raise. That's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. You've got to be out there. You've got to take more chances in trying new things talking to more people and allowing yourself to, you know, it, fail. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you end up, I just see that there, there were more things I could, I should have tried, could have tried, but didn't. And I gave myself the reasons and the excuses to not do it because it just made sense because of what my mom said and nothing wrong with my mom. Cause she had a great career, great mom. But for myself, you know, to this day, she says, you know, she still tells me when I talk to her, 
well, how's business going? How are you doing? I'm like, mom, you know, I'm doing good. You know, I've been doing this five years, so I'm probably still in it. <laughs> I'm going to stay in it if I'm in there five years. <laughs> so I could never, I could never do what you're doing. I could never go out in business and do it on, you know, do anything on my, I, a job has that security for him. Like, mom, there's not security anymore in a job. Yeah. Jobs are two and three years. Mm-hmm. How many people do you know that, that are retiring after 40 years in, in one company with the gold watch, the retirement party and the pension? Yeah. It's, it's few and far between it's two and three and five years. So if I'd go back, I'd say, take that chance, keep putting your head up, look around more and look at some of the more, some of the opportunities around you. And if someone says, you know, Hey, what about this? Be willing to say yes. And there's another book that, that I haven't started reading, but it's on my desk. And the title of it is WTF question mark exclamation point, which caught my eye, right? You know, it's like, well, that's not the nicest title, right? Because what's the, the typical? And it's actually willing to fail. Hmm. So instead of it being sure. the, the, the bad <laughs> word to think of, <laughs> which immediately my, tells, me about, tells you about me, right? My mind immediately went to the other one. But it's how failure can be your key to success. Hmm. And it's by, a guy, it's by a, a guy named Brian Scudamore. And he started a franchise called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So it's on my desk as one of the books that I want to read is taking that opportunity or taking some of those opportunities. And I'm not saying putting, you know, if I, if I have a thousand dollars in, in my account, in my bank account, and that's all I have, I'm not, I'm not going to be the proponent to say, well, put, put all your chips in the middle, throw that thousand out in the middle and go do it. No, I'm saying take calculated, you know, risks, take some calculated chances, but be willing to put yourself out there and try different things, do different things, say yes to things and be willing to, to be uncomfortable and that a level of uncomfort is going to give you comfort over time because you get used to it more and where you were uncomfortable before becomes now the new normal. Like now, right. You know, masks, they're uncomfortable. No one likes them because of, you know, COVID-19. I'm not saying people are getting comfortable with them, but it's, we're just changing the way we work. And it used to be, well, there's no way you could work remotely. Well, people are changing the attitude. Companies are changing their perspective, saying maybe we can do some or a portion or maybe all of some of our employment remote based. Mm -hmm. So having to change things, being open to different opportunities is, I think, the biggest thing I would tell myself. I love that. I think that's really powerful. And hopefully anyone who is in their 20s right now and is listening is is really taking that to heart. I think it's really powerful insights that you just shared. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me. What's something you'd like to ask me? So tell me about how you got into what you're doing. I think that's always a great story to hear. What led you in that direction and what made you say yes? Sure. Um, I am a passionate, uh, creative individual. I took every single art class my high school offered, and I wanted to pursue art as my career path. Um, I job shadowed an art therapist and realized I did not want to do that. And then I learned about commercial art, which is um, now more referred to as like graphic design type stuff. Um, and that kind of led into marketing and advertising and how, you know, creativity is more than just something visual. It can be 
you know, audio, it can be the experience that someone has. It's how, how you make someone feel, how a brand makes someone feel. Um, and just the um, psychology behind all that was really fascinating to me. So I, I ended up pursuing um, marketing as my chosen career path and worked at two other agencies before um, taking this really big leap and starting my own firm. And that was in 2008. And it's it's been the roller coaster ride of a lifetime, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but I, I love it. I love being on the digital side of marketing because it is changing so fast. Um, I mean, traditional advertising marketing is still very fun, um, but you know the the new technologies and the just evolution of the already established platforms and what you can do to to help get your message in front of your audience. Um, it just really is, is mind blowing. I love it. And I help, nice. I love helping companies um, help them achieve their goals by helping them figure out where their customers are online and what is that message that's going to make them, you know, connect and resonate and want to hear more from that company. Nice. So let me ask you this, Lori, on top of that, on the digital end of things, and maybe you'll be able to give away the great secret for all of us, which is <laughs> what do you see as the next big thing or the next step in, in the digital marketing end of things? Is it a platform, an app? Is it a, a type of digital marketing? Is it what do you see that you're seeing that's just starting to maybe get a little bit of traction that you think is going to be the next big thing? I mean, there's so many tools and, and, and apps, you know, that everyone's trying to be the next Facebook and the next Google. Um, but I would mm -hmm. say as far as just the evolution of technology goes, I would pay very close attention to voice, you know, from a marketing standpoint. So everyone's got Siri or Alexa, you know, and that's really um, consumer facing right now. But I think that's really going to evolve into more of a marketing platforms that businesses are really going to be able to push their message um, or engage and, and pay for these platforms to actually be the, you know, be the resource that they're asking for. Um, virtual reality, augmented reality, I think all of those are going to start to really next level the experience, um, you know, to consumers, but also on the B2B side of things as well. So there's definitely a lot in technology that's, that's continuing to evolve, but you know, those are the hot ones I see right now. Yeah, it's, I, I think you're right. Uh, not knowing, you'll have to explain to me more what you, you know, from the voice end, I think, like I say, some of those platforms are pretty neat. Um, I have not invested in any, any of those yet, but the the virtual reality, yeah, I'm trying to figure out where that's going yet and what the the different avenues of how it can really be a need in the business. Right now, I see it kind of more on the, uh, in the middle, but I haven't seen some Great. Again, I'm not an expert there. So that's why I'm asking you, you know, just for your, your thoughts and insights on that. But I even look at like the artificial intelligence now that's coming, that's here already. It's like when you go to a website and there's that little chat that comes up and says, hi, you know, this is Mary. Uh, can I answer any questions for you? And a lot of those aren't live. But those are artificial intelligence and they're able to answer, you know, they say something like 70 or 80 or something percent of your questions through that. I'm like, holy cow. 
that's amazing. Yeah, yeah the, the automation um, and that it's learning too. You know, they learn based on your inquiries. And um, I mean, you can you can schedule appointments through Google now with, and it's all automated, but it sounds like you're actually having a conversation with someone, which is mind blowing. Um, but that's part of the voice. So, I mean, think about you ask Alexa a question, you know, or, or you're looking for a solution to something, or you ask Siri, you know, where's the closest pizza place, you know, whatever it is, you know, right now it's just kind of organic results, but eventually these platforms are going to be monetized, you know, so someone's going to pay for ads, you know, you have to maybe listen to it before they actually give you the result you're looking for, um, or they're paying for, you know, you know, Domino's is going to always be the one that shows up as the pizza place closest to you because they're paying for it. I mean, that's basically how all channels evolve is they build some cool technology, um, but then they have to monetize it. And advertising is typically the route that, that they go. Sure. Yeah. It's just like say the, the technology that's, that's coming and how fast it is. I think about my grandmother that died about, I think it was 10 years ago and she was alive for, you know, the horse and buggy <laughs> and the amount of just massive technology changes through her lifetime. Mm -hmm. And we look at it like, wow, you've seen so much, but we're going to look back and say, I mean, we went from, you know, a phone that was on a cord or I did anyway, I'm dating myself. So oh, no, I lived, I lived <laughs> there too. <laughs> it was exciting when we got the cordless phone in the house. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. And kids don't know what white pages are today and, mm -hmm. and uh, what's the yellow pages or white pages, but how fast technology is growing today. And that boy, you know, in the sixties, we put someone on the moon with uh, less than, less than an iPhone or less than an Android phone or whatever. And now, that's you have more than that in, in your phone in your hand. <laughs> it's crazy. It's amazing. Yep, it is yeah. crazy. Well, this was fun, um, David. If anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? They could text me uh, or call me at my work number, which is two six two two one zero seven seven zero zero. Or they could email me at my work email, which is going to be nice and long because of my long last name. So it's uh, my first initial D and my last name. So D split Gerber, S-P-L-I-T-G-E-R-B-E-R -E -E at the letter E and the word source coach, esourcecoach.com. Yeah, nice and long. I learned my alphabet pretty early with my name. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We will include all that information in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you very much, Lori. I greatly appreciate it. This was definitely a fun conversation. Well, this wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to David for taking the time to connect with us. If you want to continue the conversation on networking, just join our Facebook group. Go to facebook.com and search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email to Lori at Social Capital Podcast. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.